0: Very good. We're ready to start. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 3. Now let's come before God and ask him to bless our time as we look at the word. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come to before you. We ask that you give us a great guidance and leading as we look at your word and that you will teach us what it is that you would have us to learn. And we just thank you in your son's name. Amen. Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who continues not in all the things that were written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that does them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Well, look at this, the idea of the law and grace. We, before we're saved, are under the law. Just the way it is, we're under the law because we do not not in faith. We, God puts the law in, people will go, well, what about people who've never heard anything about the Bible? Well, they've got a thing called the conscience. We all have a conscience. We know right and wrong right from the beginning. We don't ever have to be taught right and wrong. We know it. We know that it's wrong to lie. We know that it's wrong to steal. We know that it's wrong to kill. God has put the simplicity of the law in our heart because we're made after His image. Now, we may ignore our conscience. We may ignore it to the point that we no longer get bothered by our conscience. <laughs> and I've met people who seem to have no conscience at all because they have se- seared their conscience, but they still at one point in their life knew that what they were doing was wrong. And then God gives us a law on top of that. When we come into the word, he gives us his rules for living by it. And we've talked about it when, when Paul says we're not under the law. That doesn't mean that the wa- law is worthless. Just throw it all away. Go out and do whatever you want. That's not what we're saying when we're saying that we're not under the law. Because the law is important, it shows us that we are sinners. You know, and Paul in 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 one of the books says, you know, how did you know that you were sinning? Other unless somebody had told you there was a lot of rake? Okay, if you're driving down the car and nobody had ever taught you that there was such a thing as a speed limit, it wouldn't matter how fast you were going because there would be no speed limit. Well, unfortunately, there are speed limits, <laughs> uh, especially for those of, like myself with a lead foot that like to go fast. <laughs> uh, I've always thought I'd love to get on a racetrack. That would be fun someday. (laughs) But the law, the law brings a curse. And it says in Deuteronomy, let me look up the right one, 27, verse 26, it says, Cursed are you if you do not obey all the law. All of it. And this is why we can never be perfect in God's sight by keeping the law. Because His standard is perfection you violate one law and as far as god is concerned you're guilty of everything because he has said that you're under the curse if you violate any one. now for us as humans that, that's a terrible thought for us you know that i can't do anything to please god because our flesh wants to please, do things it wants to have a reason you know look at me look how good i am you know if you've ever been in a place of business and everything and trying to Show the people that you deserve the promotion. You. Basically, you're saying, Look at me, I'm doing, I'm, I'm a good worker, I'm the best worker in the place. Promote me. Now, there may not even be anything wrong with that, but it doesn't work with God. God is not going to say, Okay, I'm going to promote you because you are better than 99% of the people in this world. God doesn't grade on a curve. He says, Guilty. You violated one, you're guilty. And you know, that's really what we want. Uh, how many of us would want somebody to go to the judge and say, judge, I've been a really good person. I just made one mistake. You know, I, I killed that person's family, but it, it was just one mistake. I've been, I'm have a really good person. I obey the speed limits. I don't steal. I don't lie too many times, but I have this problem. I like to kill people. Just let me go. We all laugh because that would be ludicrous to, for the judge to say, OK, you're a good guy. Go ahead and go. That is what happens when people stand before God. God, I'm a really good person. I, you know, I haven't lied too many times. Uh, I haven't killed anybody. I don't steal too often. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not an adulterer, but you know, I do have this problem with lying a little bit and stealing. God's going to say you're guilty. You're guilty. And he's going to say it because he is a righteous judge. He is a holy judge. We in our own strength cannot please God we would be worthy of death, rightfully worthy of death. Not, not even a question of whether we deserved it or not. It is, he would be truly right in saying, goodbye, you're gonna spend eternity in hell because of even one sin. And we look at it, you know, we, sometimes when we look at it from the right direction, we go, okay, that is, makes perfect sense. When it's us being involved, it's like, oh God, that's pretty harsh, I, I, I'm not perfect. And that is why he made the provision. He made the provision that he did, because it says, but no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, for it is evident that the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And we've talked about this. Faith is a confident assurance that something is true. And we've talked about this last week. We talked about it. it's been a theme because it's been on my mind a lot lately. The just shall walk by faith. If we truly believe something, we're going to walk in what we believe. We even talked about it in Sunday School this morning because we were studying Rahab, lying to the king about the the spies. And the question is, is it ever right to lie? And I can tell you right now, there's a school of theologies that says, yes, it's okay to lie to enemies. I don't agree with them. The Bible says, thou shalt not lie. (laughs) Thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor. Leviticus five says that if you don't tell everything you know to be true, that you've lied. That God's standard is pretty high. Okay, He is He is true. In Titus it says that we know that this is true because God does not lie. His standard is that we don't lie. Now we as humans like to justify it well, I was just protecting so-and-so, or you know, this, that, or the other thing. I didn't, you know, you know, if we told them the truth, they might get hurt, you know. And that's one of the questions that are sometimes out there about telling the whole truth is, does it hurt somebody? Sometimes that hurting might be good for them. To, to tell somebody that they're sinning may be the best thing you can do to get them to come to a consciousness of what's wrong and what's right. But God says step out in faith. What do we learn? What do we know about God as as a faithful statement? God says that we're to go make disciples of the nations. How many of us actually go out and talk to people? How long has it been since you've talked to somebody about Jesus in a a witnessing witnessing format? This is one of the reasons that something like the river run talking to people, I enjoy it when I'm doing it, but I'm terrified about doing it. Because it is scary. It is scary sometimes to go out and talk to people, and you know. Because I've shared with you all, I'm slow. I think of the right answer about an hour after I'm supposed to think of the right answer. Okay. Now, as long as I stick to certain things, I know the answers flow pretty easy. But if I'm outside of it, I'm slow. I'm slow at coming up with answers. And I know many people are like me. Now, I know people that are deba- they love to debate because they're they're right on top of everything. They've got the answers right on the forefront of their their tongue at everything and they and they're gonna win the argument because of their ability to do that the unfortunate thing is usually they win against people who are like me slow they come up with the right answer an hour later you know and you almost want to call them back up and say here's the answer that you thought you won the argument with <laughs> it's too late to too late to do that but we need to step out in faith because God says he's gonna fill our mouth when I'm witnessing my the answers come usually faster than than I can do them because it's God filling my mouth and it's fun. It's fun to talk to people about God. You know, and, and I've said to you before, everybody's fear is being asked something they don't know the answer to. And I tell you that's the best thing that can happen to you. Because you go, all you gotta do is say, hey, I don't know the answer to that, but I, I will go get the answer and I will talk to you tomorrow or next week or whenever you can get back with them. <coughs> being asked a question you don't know is a great opportunity because now you get to witness to them twice. <laughs> so don't fear, the, fear that. Walk out in faith. God says to tell the truth. What ends up happening is we get into a situation where we have a choice. I can tell the truth or I can, and maybe get in, seem to get in trouble, or I can try to tell a lie and make, make the situation look okay. <coughs> Too often we make the decision of telling the lie to make a, so I can stay out of trouble at least for a short period of time. And God's saying, tell the truth. But that's a point where we're saying, am I going to walk by faith or am I going to walk in the flesh? And, th- and I use lies because that's an easy one you know it could be any any sin out there uh, but we want to see we want to live by faith walk by faith. the law is not faith, but the man that does the law shall live by them. The law is not faith the law is walking by sight. The scribes and Pharisees they did a good job of making all kinds of rules for people to live by now most of their laws weren't even biblical, but they had added so many laws to, the, to, the, to it. And I think I've shared with you, I went to a Jew, Jewish synagogue one time and they have a whole book about four or 500 pages long about what you can and can't do in any situation. And I was just kind of flipping through and it was interesting in some ways, it was kind of bizarre. You know, uh, On the Saturday, you can't, you can't break the seal on a bottle of soda, but if you broke the seal on Friday and, and recapped it, you were okay. You can't open a, uh, open a cabinet because that's working. But you can take things off the cabinet if it's open. You know, this, is, this is how specific they get on how they define, this is work, this isn't work. And sometimes I don't understand what the difference is. But this is where man gets into it. When they say, I'm going to live by the law, they're going to have all kinds of little situations. Well, this is OK. It doesn't quite maybe fit, but it's OK. This one, no, that, one broke, that one crossed the line. You know, this was OK, and this crossed the line. And they do this for every situation. And you can even see it in some churches that have some certain rules. I think back in the 50s and 60s where where you were told you can't dance, you can't can't play cards, you can't go to the movies. They had this whole long list of things that said, if you do these things, you're a good Christian. If you don't do them, you're a sinner. (laughs) None of it had anything to do with the Bible and grace and even the laws that God gave us. They were adding laws on top of God's laws. We walk by law, we're walking by sight. And we can't even do it. It's kind of amazing. We can't even walk by the laws that we say we believe. And it's very important that we want to walk according to God, by grace. And this is what he comes out to. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Jesus went to Calvary he went upon the cross first he took the beating that we deserved on the on the with the scourging he went to the cross he became sin on the cross for us he became sin why did he have to do that because the father's standard is perfection somebody had to pay the price so that the father could say we're forgiven because a lot of people go, oh, God's love, he's mercy, he's, he's all of this stuff. He could have just said you were, that we're all innocent. No, he can't because that violates who he is. He, he is holy, he is righteous, he is just. It's very unfair that Jesus took the penalty. But it was the only way that we could be bought, that we could be redeemed, was for Jesus to take our penalty. He became sin. And I don't, we can't understand that because we're sinners. We don't understand what it means to become sin. But Jesus, perfect, perfect for all of eternity, perfect for 30, some 33, 34 years of walking this earth, became sin. And the father turned his back upon his son, broken fellowship. The cost for us to be forgiven was that the father and son had to break their fellowship. And again, we can't comprehend that. All of eternity, they have been in perfect union with each other, and all of a sudden, they're broken. This relationship is broken. And it was brought back together at the resor- uh, afterwards, but the idea of the broken, we don't know the pain that that involved. We cannot understand that pain. I've shared with people, the closest we might have is our first real true love when it broke up and we felt miserable for a period of time, and that's nothing compared to what the Father and Jesus went through. We always think about the pain of our salvation being only on Jesus and there is a truth to that. But the Father was hurt as well on the cross when Jesus became sin and he had to turn his back on his son. That hurt him and we've talked about it. Sometimes those those hurts that are deep inside the the, the spirit or the soul or sometimes much worse than any physical pain. And I've said it over and over. Now, how many of us probably even taught our kids, sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt me, or words will never hurt me. What a dumb thing for us to say to anybody. Dumb thing to say to anybody, because people's physical pain heals. Their physical pain heals. Oftentimes, people will deal with those words that they heard as a young child, And they're still dealing with them at 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, dealing with the pain that people inflicted on them through words. Why? Because it hurt the soul. It hurt something that people don't see. About the only way to get over that pain is for God to come in and wipe it away. And that's one of the powers of being saved and becoming a new creation, that he can come in and wipe away the soul hurts. And we want to be able to look at this. Jesus became the curse because it was the only way we would be acceptable to God. And we need to really fully understand that because this is how we go. When we witness to people, we need to understand that we're witnessing to them the only way that they can come to God is through Jesus. And you see this all the time. You see us, we've got hundreds of different religions out there. And the main thing that's common in every single religion is that you're doing something yourself. You know, I had somebody tell me this week that you know the particular religion was not them do- doing something for themselves, but to be for others. But you're st- still you doing it for others. It's still you trying to get the credit for getting there. You know, and that's what every single religion is all about. The way you get to wherever it is you're trying to get to is that I did something. I was better than most, I did more good than bad, you know, I don't know. And the problem with all those religions is how much good is enough? How much good is enough to get you to, where, to heaven? You know, is it one to one? Is every good equal to every bad? Or is there scales of how good something is or how bad something? I would hate to live that way. It's not a way that I wanna live. I love the fact that all I gotta do is say, God, I believed in Jesus Christ's salvation. Come into my heart and change me by your grace. And you know why I believe that this is the absolute uh, one and only is because there's all these counterfeits. Every one of them is a counterfeit of the real. And you want to remember this. We've talked about this. You know, If you're a counterfeiter and you counterfeited a $3 bill, <laughs> you wouldn't be very smart, would you? <laughs> why? Because there's no such thing as a $3 bill to counterfeit. Now, the minute you try to pass it, they're going to look at you and say, what do you think you're doing? Satan builds his counterfeits on the truth of God, but not the whole truth. There's enough truth to bring you into, into the lie. And that's the, that is, if, you're, if there's any such thing as a good lie, you know, a good lie has to have enough truth in it that people will believe it. Because when it's checked out, they can say, oh, it seems to be true. They dig dig deep into it, they find out that it's not true. All of Satan's counterfeits are counterfeits of what God is doing. He counterfeits Jesus and all these different religions of the past. He counterfeits the idea of perfection by getting us into the idea of doing more good than bad and, and having some kind of scale out there. It's so important that we understand, that we see what the truth is. The idea of lying is one of those places where there's this, all these different levels of lies. Now, you're not lying until you cross some magic line. <laughs> and as soon as you cross that magic line, all of a sudden, you're lying. <laughs> we see it in the court systems. You know, when, you're, when you go to the court, you said, I, I swear to tell, or now they say, I affirm to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But if you listen to your lawyer on that court case, he says, answer just what they ask you and nothing more. So you're not even telling the whole truth. And your lawyers are telling you not to tell the whole truth. And sometimes the judge will even say, answer just what you're asked. Don't, don't try to say more. So our court system is built on a system of lies <laughs> as well. Even though you're making a statement that I'm going to tell the whole truth. This is the world's view of truth. It's okay as long as you don't cross whatever that line is to, to put you into perjury. You know, as long as you don't boldface lie and say something totally opposite of, of the truth, you're okay. That's not God's standard. God says that you need to speak the whole truth, and this is what Leviticus 5 tells us: yeah. you know, that even if you don't tell everything you know about it, uh, the truth, you've lied. So we want to be able to say, what is God's standard? It's hard for us. We will never live God's standard. I can guarantee you none of us will ever live God's standard in any area. We may get pretty close to some areas, but we're going to make mistakes in the law. That is why it's so wonderful that it's all by grace. I don't have to worry about slipping up and saying, doing something wrong and God said, oh, that's just it. That was the last straw. No more grace. Jesus paid for it. He came into us. He indwells us. And He gives us victory. He gives us the victory. And I want to say, praise God. Again, it doesn't mean that I'm going to go running out and do as much sins as I can because it doesn't matter anymore. I've got God in my life. I'm going to try to do as, as good as I can. But I know that what I do does not make God sit up there. Oh, look at that person. They're doing all these good things. Oh, I'm so happy. Oh, that person. That person's not doing good. Not so. You know, they at Jesus in their heart. But I'm not so happy. No. He loves us completely. Nothing I do is going to make him jump up and down and say, oh, hell, look at this person because he's, he will also see all the bad that I do. So it doesn't matter. We're covered by grace. We're in Christ Jesus. We are declared perfect because we have Christ in, in us and, and, and around us. And God says, I'm going to spend your lifetime letting you become more and more perfect. And praise God, when we when we die or get raptured, He's gonna say, okay, now I'm gonna make you perfect. And we have nothing more to worry about that point because he is the one that does. Matter of fact, he's the one that does it during the sanctification point. If it's me doing it, it's my flesh trying to stand before him and God says no flesh stands before him. I still have to let him work through me to change me. How do you get victory over, over lying? You let God do it. How do you get victory over drugs, alcohol? It's all through God ultimately. I might be able to discipline my flesh to a degree, but at some point, my flesh is gonna say, I don't wanna be disciplined anymore, I'm going to rebel. The flesh has to be crucified dead and let God rule in that area for total victory. And even then, it's as long as I keep the flesh crucified and letting God live through that area. The more I do it, the better. But we can always end up falling in any area. The moment you think you're strong in an area, look out because you're probably going to fall in that area you know you, you go well i got out of drugs and alcohol and i'm never going back be careful because when you think you have pride goes before the fall and you'll end up falling you know i've never told a lie, and i'm not going to tell anymore watch out <laughs> you know the, the opportunity is going to be set up to test you it's very important that it has to be god living through us our flesh crucified and then letting him reward us for letting him live through us. So critical. It's all God. And that's the greatest thing about Christianity. I just have to surrender. I just have to let him crucify me and let him do the work. We've shared this, you know, try to avoid the idea of I'm working hard to be living, living for God. I'm striving to live for God. Quit striving, quit working. Let the spirit work through you. Let the spirit, and I, and I know people will say, well, you teach that and everybody's gonna just go out and sin and do all these bad things. I go, no, if they know God, they're not gonna go out and sin, they're not gonna go out and do bad things just because you're saying, let God do it. Matter of fact, they're more likely to live godly if they do it that way. And you see the people who do that and you see that they, they're generally truthful, they're generally loving. You know, how hard is it to love somebody? You know, if you think about that, loving somebody is not easy. True love is not easy because love is a choice. And God says he chooses to love us. And that makes it sound like it's so so academic, I'm glad that it is. (laughs) Because he chose to love us, he would have to choose to not love us. And he's not going to change, so he's always going to love us. When I do counseling for people in marriage or premarital counseling, I always will talk about why do you love this person? you know, and usually if they don't, if they're not been well-taught they'll go well she's really beautiful she's got a good personality so that means if tomorrow she was you were in an accident and she was ugly and brain-dead you wouldn't love her anymore and truthfully for most of them they would have to say yes because they haven't developed that love yet but you know true love would love that person in spite of anything that happens in spite of what happens and that's where God's love for us is he loves us He loved us so much he sent Jesus to die for us while we were his enemy. Enemies to him. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with God because they just couldn't live up to his standard. And still he sent Jesus. That's love. That is love. That is going out and showing great love. Jesus became the curse. He took the penalty we deserved so that the Father could accept us as his children. It doesn't become automatic for everybody, because there's some people who well, Jesus took the penalty, so everybody's going to heaven. No. You have to accept the gift and put on Christ. I will say this. I truly believe that most people are going to go into hell, not because of the sins they've been doing, but because their good works are not perfect. Jesus paid for the sin. He paid for sin. Isaiah says that all your righteousness is filthy rags. So those who don't accept Jesus Christ are going to stand before God saying, hey God, look at i got rags on, but look what I've done. And he's going to say, depart. We'll stand before him clothed in Christ if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he looks down and he sees the perfect righteousness of his son and says, welcome. Come on in. You've got the right clothes on. I like to say God has the ultimate dress code when it comes to coming into heaven. Jesus Christ is the only acceptable clothing that you'll have. Without him, you're rejected. No matter how good you think what you've done is, he says, "Stinking rags, get out of here. Get out of here. They're just stinky, stinky old rags." So we want to be able to look at this: how are we? Re- how do we minister to others? We let God do it. We let Him love people through us. Because I can tell you, you know, without God loving people, it's hard. It is hard to love people. Some people have an easier time than others, but Everybody has run across somebody that they have found very hard to love. Maybe lots of somebody's that you find very hard to love. No. But that love is important. The love of God showing forth. Bringing people to the cross. Bringing them to salvation. We're going to pray and have communion. And then if there's time, we'll sing some songs. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love us and you care for us. You have a plan for us and you loved us so much that you sent your son to become that curse so that we could be in you, loving you, and be going forward in victory. And we just thank you for that. We ask you, anybody who doesn't know Jesus that you just will ask him to come into your heart. Lord, just come in and I know I'm a sinner. I deserve punishment. Come in and make me, give me your righteousness of your son. Clothe me. Help me to lead you that way. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.